Hey, Steve Shepard here with the Natural Curiosity Project. This episode is kind of short, and it's really more of an observation, maybe an editorial than anything else, so bear with me if you would. I want to talk about human perspective, and I'm going to use photography as my analogy. When I first started photographing seriously, I shot with a Nikon F3. This was a professional-grade film camera with a motor drive. I could burn through a 36-exposure roll of film in about six seconds. As you can imagine, I spent an awful lot of money on film and processing. And what I quickly learned was that whether I burned through 36 exposures in six seconds or six hours, it didn't matter. There were typically only two keepers on the roll if I was lucky. Man, I love digital. In those days, even though I was a serious shooter, I was still very much a neophyte. In fact, the vast majority of the pictures I took, the vast majority of which were in fact mediocre at best, were with the standard 50mm lens that came with the camera body because I hadn't yet developed my photographer's eye to the point that I could see why access to a different lens might be a good thing. So everything I photographed, everything I saw, I saw through that 50mm lens. It was the only perspective on my subject matter that I had. Over time, though, things changed. As I learned more about the craft and science of photography, and as I learned to critically assess the work of gifted professional photographers, and, let's face it, copy them, I began to see the limitations of that 50mm lens. It wasn't capable of expanding my field of view beyond its own physical limitations. In fact, the 50s designed to provide a field of view that's basically the same as what the human eye actually sees. So, I began to assemble my kit. I bought a 24 to 70 millimeter zoom, which to this day is my go-to lens 90% of the time. Soon, though, it wasn't enough, so I bought a 70 to 200 millimeter zoom to augment the 24 to 70. Then, really more for fun than anything else, I bought a teleconverter, sometimes called a doubler, which turned the 70 to 200 into a 140 to 400, although I lost some light in the process of using it just because of the optics inside the device. And then, because I loved the perspective that the 24mm end of the 2470 gave me, I bought a 14mm wide angle. I mean, that lens dramatically widened my perspective. But then I began to need other things. I wanted to see my subject matter differently, so I acquired a 500mm very fast telephoto. This thing is 30 inches long, 5 inches in diameter, and weighs 14 pounds, but boy does it pull in a distant, narrow view. Then, because I love to dig into a subject to see the things that I'd miss otherwise, I bought a 105mm macro lens. Under the right circumstances, I can fill the frame of the camera with a fly's eye. It's amazing what that detail can be. By the way, I should say that I didn't actually buy any of these lenses. My wife, Sabina, did because she knew I needed or at least wanted them. Yet another reason we've been together since 1976. Anyway, next I got what's called a tilt-shift lens, or sometimes a perspective-correcting or PC lens. It allows me to change the angle of the front element of the lens relative to the sensor that captures the image that the lens focuses on it. In standard lenses, the front element of the lens and the camera sensor in the body are perfectly parallel with one another. In a PC lens, I can change that. So, for example, if I'm on the ground and I take a picture of a tall building in front of me, the building looks distorted in a fisheye kind of way, right? Well, by changing the angle of the lens relative to the sensor, I can fix that, which is why it's called a perspective-correcting lens. I'm not telling you this so that I can brag about my lens inventory. I'm telling you this to make a point that has nothing to do with photography. 
When I started shooting seriously, I did what all photographers do. I found, through happenstance and good luck, a variety of professional wildlife and nature photographers whose work inspired me. They all shoot different things, and they all shoot with different gear. And as a result of that, they all have a signature look to their work that's different from everybody else. Tom Mangelson, who's best known for his famous shot of a salmon jumping directly into the mouth of a grizzly in Alaska, shoots with gigantic telephotos. Jack Dykinga, who's a landscape photographer based in Arizona, often shoots with a big view camera. You know, those big boxy cameras that you focus by putting a black cloth over your head. He still shoots on sheet film, although he's also made the leap to digital. John Shaw, who I credit with being the guy who got me interested in nature photography in the first place, often shoots with extreme close-up lenses to capture the exquisite look of dewdrops on the face of a dragonfly. Bill Neal often uses wide-angle lenses to capture unforgettable perspectives of the trees in a forest or fog settling into Yosemite Valley. These photographers see the world through different sets of eyes and through the unique perspective of their chosen lenses. None of them are the same. Tom's work is completely different than Jack's. Jack's is completely different from Bill's. Bill's totally different from John's. But each one is good. In fact, better than good. But they're different. They all see the world differently, and they take away a different perspective every time they shoot. In fact, a few years ago, I had the honor to shoot with Jack and Tom, and while we often shot the same scene, the images we captured were not even close to being the same. But they were all good, and afterward, when the images were displayed, they each exhibited a different quality of goodness, of uniqueness, of character. The fact that Tom's images of the pronghorn in the meadow were shot with a 600mm telephoto and highlighted the detail of the animal's eyes, and mine emphasized the overall scene through the much shorter lens I chose to use, didn't make my work or his any better or worse than the other. It made them different. But after I saw the other's pictures, I learned, because I saw the world through their lenses, their perspective, in addition to my own. The next day, I used some of their technique to improve my own. Exposure to their perspective didn't weaken or threaten my way of seeing things. It strengthened it. At the end of the week, by the way, this was part of a nature photography workshop that I got to attend in Jackson, Wyoming, again, thanks to Sabina. Anyway, at the end of that week, all of our best images were collected, printed, and hung on the wall of a gallery so that we could enjoy them together. The richness and diversity of the images in that room defied words, made all the more extraordinary by the fact that, for the most part, we were all shooting the same scenes, the same wildlife, in the same areas with similar gear. We just looked at things differently, through our different lenses. The opportunity to see my subject matter through other lenses made me a far better and much humbler photographer, because my perspective became very, very broad that week, thanks to the perspectives of my peer photographers in the workshop. But I also have to say this. There were times when I looked at a shot on the wall by Jack Dykinga, and then at my own shot of the same subject matter, taken at the same time, standing side by side, and I liked mine better. It wasn't because my picture was better, because it wasn't. I just preferred the viewpoint that I had chosen. Other times, I preferred his or someone else's. But every time, whether I liked the other image or not, I learned from it, and I appreciated the fact that it was very good. When I was 13, as many of you know, we moved to Spain from West Texas. No culture shock there. As we prepared for the move, we read everything we could find about the culture of what would become our new country. Franco was still in power, so we'd be living under a dictatorship. 
English was basically non-existent. The Catholic Church was the most powerful organization in the land. Root beer didn't exist. The list goes on and on. But my parents pounded a mantra into me and my brothers leading up to the move that I've never forgotten and which has served me well in all my travels since. They said, just remember, guys, it's not going to be good and it's not going to be bad. It's just going to be different. And they were right. And the lessons we learned, that's just because it's different doesn't make it bad, was perhaps the single most important lesson I have ever been taught. It made me see everything now as an opportunity to grow rather than a threat to my personal status quo. Could I ask us now to apply what I just said to the world of current events? There are lots of lenses out there, and just because someone sees the world through a different lens than you do doesn't make their perspective wrong or bad, just makes it different. The more lenses we look through, the broader, deeper, and richer our perspective on the world becomes. My recommendation Get out there and look through as many lenses as you possibly can. We'll all be better for it. I'm Steve Shepard for the Natural Curiosity Project. Thanks for listening, and thanks for allowing me to editorialize just a little bit. Hey, thanks for dropping by. I'm Steve Shepard, the host of the Natural Curiosity Project, where we're committed to the idea that curiosity leads to discovery, discovery leads to knowledge, knowledge leads to insight, and insight leads to understanding. In every episode, we explore some topic that piqued our curiosity enough to make us want to share it with you. I hope you enjoy the journey. And if you did, I'd appreciate it if you'd leave a comment over at iTunes or SoundCloud, wherever you listen to the podcast. Thank you very much. We'll see you in the next episode. Thank you.